Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of Seahawks Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santos, joined, as always, by the Cam Chancellor, Tomorrow Thomas, Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, doing great. You know what? I'm kicking Richard Sherman out. Our very own Brandon Browner. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? I'll take that. I'll yeah, take that. Like I'm, I'm not very fast. How's jail? 2019, Ooh. not a good year to be Brandon Browner. <laughs> Ugh, maybe I don't like it. You know what? I'll back up. I'll take it back five years. I like it. Let's go. <laughs> I'm you are you time cop now? I like being not back. great at the not great on the Patriots is good. It's there never is still too, time. It's never too late to save Brandon Browner. Yeah. There's uh it's ten years too late to save Brandon Browner, <laughs> but there's still time. It's the Seahawks Nest offseason podcast. I'm sure we'll do at least one more Jean Claude Van Damme movie. Alright, Seahawks news for this week. There was none. <laughs> uh what about the very serious uh ex Seahawk who uh passed TJ Cunningham? Rest in peace. Alright, go on Nathan. Um, yeah, there's the there's really like nothing though. This was the the deadest Seahawks week. The biggest news story I could find was that they're making Funko Pops for the uh, Griffin brothers. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, it, it's cool. I'm pretty sure there's Funko Pops of us. I mean, they make them for everyone. <laughs> Doc, I want a Funko. I want a Funko Pop. Uh, you know what? I watched the documentary last night. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> the Funko Pop documentary you watched it? Oh, yeah, I did. Actually, was, was it really good? good? And I know one of the designers, so I was like, "Hey, Reese is in this." There you go. That's where he works with Funko. Yeah, Funko's in Everett, right? Yeah, the only thing in Everett. If you remember when we went to Monday <laughs> Raw and how there was literally nothing else in Everett. Well, there's a Seven Eleven for you guys to make really poor life choices at. <laughs> I want to talk about it. Go on, Nathan. <laughs> All right, so then um, we uh, we we're gonna open up a new segment here. This is an off season segment. It's called around the around the league with Eric. So Eric, <laughs> Eric keeps his ear to the ground for the uh, the, uh, the, ear news to the street. I do. Okay. And Eric, what 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 are you hearing? Should I do the, the helicopter end? noises if we're gonna do this bit out in the NFL? <laughs> what, what are you hearing? Uh, so there's some big big news I want to touch on. Uh, one, Jared Allen is getting a group of former NFL players together to see if they can form an Olympic curling team i'm not making this curling up. Or, or bobsled oh it's curling it's Ouch. the less exciting canadian sport if it's bobsledding he's clearly john okay. candy in that um yes. i have a question for you uh kurt for about about this um Is what, was jared, what was jared allen number in the nfl uh, i believe it was 69 nice nice all right uh, that's all i got <laughs> Yeah, uh, the the other big news, uh, you know, with all the trades possibly going on, with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. possibly moving on, and Antonio Brown finding a new home, Antonio Brown wants to be known as Mr. Big Chest. That's all I got. Uh, so does that mean he's cool with his wife being called Mrs. Big Chest? Because that seems that seems nice, like he's just Kevin. inviting is an Antonio, odd Twitter is situation. Is Antonio Brown married? No, I wouldn't be if I was Antonio Brown. Uh, no yeah. way. He's not. He's, 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 let me ask you. Let me. So that means he has a new pickup line. Rhetorical Would you like question to be here. The future Mrs. If, Big Chest. W- it doesn't matter. If someone came up to me and said, "Hey, man, I want to be called Mr. Big Chest," I go, "Okay, weird flex, but okay." <laughs> <laughs> I would. Not, I don't know what to say. That's it. That's all I got. It's a really weird thing to, to want to be called. Um, I'm looking but, forward to next week's stupid news. I wonder how high or tired he was when he came up with that one. Uh, called hubris he probably wasn't thinking that's for sure um yeah that there was there's like no really fun those were the best nfl stories other than gronk saying that eating tom brady's vegan meals extended his career which is crap <laughs> it's, it's like drinking tom brady concussion water helped me but also eating his vegan meals has extended my my career so ridiculous so imagine him saying that with his boyish lisp Sitting there, uh, two uh, two fisting recovery water. 
All right, so and just eating entire sweet potatoes raw. <laughs> so this week we're gonna get into the Seahawks secondary. Okay, so uh, longtime listeners know uh, as we head into First the draft, uh, we have six. We break the Seahawks into six different position groups: uh, secondary, uh, defensive line and linebackers, offensive line, uh, backfield, wide receivers, and quarterback. Although we might skip quarterback this year and break linebacker and defensive line apart, we'll see what happens. Um, but but uh, the we break them up and we we say, okay, this is what the Seahawks might do at each of these positions. This is some free agents they might look at. These are some uh, some draftees that they may like. Uh, so let's start off with who do the Seahawks have currently under contract in the secondary? That uh, coming back next year we'll have we will have Brad McDougald. The Seahawks will have Tedrick Thompson. I think you one name now. Tedrick Thompson. Delano Hill. Uh, Marwin Evans. <laughs> Fake name. Caught it. No, that was a real, that was a real one. I know, I know. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't make that one up. Uh, Shaq Griffin, Jeremy Boykins, uh, Simeon Thomas, and uh, then very uh, very likely uh, all the like the RFA guys. Yeah, so Shalom Luani. Shalom, Shalom Luani. Uh, and, oh, and uh, Trey Flowers. So, okay. Those are who we have. Let's start with Eric. Eric, do you do you see these this these positions, safety and cornerback, as positions of need for the Seahawks? Uh, it's hard to say. Like, yes, but it's it's a it's a degree of need. So, cornerback, absolutely. Safety, unless we're going to find the next Earl Thomas, which is not available, I believe, in the off season. Uh, Kevin, you can tell me wrong with your draft numbers. Uh, I believe that safety is a position of need, but I don't know. Is it someone we can fill through, not the draft, like a hey, like a, a free agent that's I have cut, a question. cut loose? Did I say Cam Chancellor when I was reading off people that we have under contract at safety? Uh, no, but you don't need to. Yeah, I mean he's getting twelve and a half million dollars next year. Technically, he's not a safety. Wow, well, he's a coach. He's playing left out. Oh, they listed Trey Flowers as a safety on here. That's kind of funky. All right, um, yeah. So I included the guys that have reserve future contracts, even though that probably is nothing. Yeah, those could be practice squad guys. Those are just people getting a chance okay, uh, I will, at the roster. I'll start with this. Uh, I guarantee that this team will bring in minimum two corners onto this roster. And when you say minimum, you mean actually talented players as opposed to just I mean, seventh round draft. It's possible that they re-sign a King King and then like bring in just one other guy. But I, the, but the, there's just not a lot of cornerbacks on this roster right now. And I it, need to it, see a minimum of three bodies come in in the defensive backfield. Yeah, and then probably one safety to go with those two corners. I agree, Kevin. The, the, now, wait, when you say, like, bodies, Kevin, what level are we talking? Do you want, say, in a high draft pick, a uh, a paid well free agent? Or are you just saying three guys? I would like to see at least one free agent of moderate income um, somewhere in the Justin Coleman contract uh, area. And I would like to see at least one player in the fourth round or um, higher. So a player who is a not insignificant draft asset. If that's what we spend our third round pick on, I'm cool with that. If that's what we spend our first round pick on, I'm cool with that. As long as it's... Up there worthy of the position. Yeah, yeah. a good guy who's going to make a difference in the first year. Yeah, uh, ideally for me, that'd be if we end up trading back, it'd be we trade back and pick up our pass rusher or our corner, and then we pick up the opposite of that with... Um, the third round pick or whatever he picked up trading back. Okay. Uh, so let's start with um, the guys currently on the roster, Kevin. Let's um, let's go to you. 
So the the safeties. Do you feel comfortable heading into next season with Tedrick Thompson and Brad as the starters, and then Delano Hill as the primary rotation guy? No. Uh, mostly Delano Hill is the one that makes me worry about that. I think Tedrick Thompson and Brad McDoodle are a serviceable uh, safety duo. Um, I think either of them would be elevated by a better player in the opposite spot, especially Brad McDougald. If Tedrick Thompson is like a rotational safety defensive back for us, I feel way better about that. Um, I'm not completely sold on him as a starter at this point, especially with the level of cornerback play that we have. So I think Brad is a solid starter. I think Tedrick, I think I wanted to see more out of him in his uh, coverage. There were times that he looked good, but I don't know if he's that player that's going to take a significant step next year. He also was battling injuries a lot. He had a lot of nagging injuries, and I don't know if that's him as a player or if that was just a one-year thing. So I would like to see someone come in and compete with Tedrick Thompson, especially because a player in the mold that can play kind of that deep safety in our defense is a guy who could also, you know, play as the... Um, what fifth defensive back out coming out in dime formations is a guy who could play a lot on special teams. Okay. So I think bringing in a guy to compete at that free safety position would make a lot of sense. So let's talk. Um, Eric, let's go with Eric. Eric, do you see that either, either Trey flowers or Shaquille Griffin, do you see them as an, a potential number one cornerback uh, in the future? Or is this kind of a case of uh, like two number twos? It's kind of a, right now we know it's a case of two number twos. In the future, anything can happen. Last year we were thought that Chad Griffin would be a nice number one corner. We didn't know what to think about Trey Flowers. Now we're kind of thinking Trey Flowers might be the best corner on the team, but it might just be because we're a little hard on Shaq. Right now I think we have two number twos. Uh, there obviously needs to be someone brought in here to, I don't know, I really like Earl uh, as a safety. Obviously, as a Seahawk, but what I really enjoyed about Earl is that he made people around him better. He elevated everyone's game. That player isn't always easy to find, but I would like some sort of push to happen. I feel like Shaq Griffin can be better. Trey Flowers, I don't know, man. Last year was his first full year playing. That's pretty... Honestly, he had a pretty good first year. I don't know if he's a number one corner, though. I think we have two number twos. Shaq had a really good first year as well, and then we saw some issues the next year. Yeah, the sophomore year is not kind to a lot of positions in a lot of sports, honestly. Um, I would love to bring in a uh, a one-and-a-half level cornerback, someone who's maybe not a true number one, but certainly better than what we have. I think that would make a drastic difference on this club. Okay. I think if we're bringing in a number one, it has to be in the draft. And if we're bringing in a free agent, it's going to be a next-year guide. Would you guys agree with that? So let's talk about the free agents available at corner. Let's start with that. I think that's a good place to kind of kick off our discussion of potential options here. The corner, The cornerbacks that are available in free agency, as far as the Seahawks are concerned, are not a good fit. So uh, I got so, a couple guys I'm curious so, your opinion about. Okay, so like the best cornerback, I think, on free agency is Bryce Callahan, who is just another Justin Coleman. I think maybe Bryce Callahan's a little better, but like I'm not a huge fan, and he's all he's a nickel corner, so that's like the guy who I'd be like, that's the best player. And then then there's a bunch of guys who I'm like not crazy about. Um, Pierre Desir, who used to be on the Seahawks, 
uh, Tyron Matthew, who I think is an interesting player, but he is a safety on first and second down in a nickel corner when there's a third guy on the field, mm-hmm. which is not someone we need. I like that. I like that as like a flexible, unique talent, but not as a good fit for the the Seattle Seahawks. I think like the best outside corner who's available is probably Steven Nelson, and I think he's not good. So so that's that's kind of where where I'm at on like. Guys, now, I mean, if you're willing to just bring in a tier two guy and just say that this guy, we hope that he do- he doesn't get to play ever. We hope that Shaq and Trey both beat him. I mean, there's tons of those guys out there. You can just go get, you know, I don't know. You can go get Morris Claiborne or, I don't know, Brian Poole or whatever, whoever you want. So like, that's my really question matter. is a guy like uh, Rashawn Melvin or Mo Claiborne or EJ Gaines, who's maybe had more success at other points in their career, would be more of a reclamation project. I do not. Do you want, think that makes more sense? I do sense? not want EJ Gaines, but yet, but yes, I think if you want to do that and just provide some kind uh, of Rashawn like, Melvin's probably my favorite out of that bunch as far as his profile and how he'd work with the Seahawks, and he put together some decent stretches there with uh, uh, the Colts on bad defenses. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather like just there's tons of guys like that, like Bradley Roby and like all these guys who just. You can, you can you can have them. They're out there. Like you could bring a bunch of those guys in for like a couple million dollars. The thing about the top guys, the guys towards the top here, they're gonna get like nine million. Yeah, someone's gonna pay Yuck. Car- like car- like Pierre Desir a bunch of money, and we're all gonna go, whoa, what? And it's it's gonna make people uncomfortable because this is a pretty dry cornerback class. Like Ronald Darby's gonna get someone's gonna back up a money truck to Ronald Darby's house. Yeah, that, Ronald Darby's gonna get ten million or more. He's not a That's Seahawks silly. he's not a Seahawks corner and he's he's uh so he's not gonna end up with us because he's pretty small. But um someone's gonna look at him and go, well we really need a cornerback and this is the guy. This is the only guy that's available. So I want um, Brent Grimes, the golden Tate of cornerbacking. But five years ago the saving grace for this is that I think this is a pretty decent cornerback class in terms of draftees. So let's go let's go into our um we me and Kevin have been scouting the draft. I mostly focus on earlier rounds and and in the quarterbacks up to top to bottom. Kevin knows some of the the mid round magic. Eric, I'm gonna start with you though. Has there been any cornerbacks you've seen like because I know you watch a little college football. Did you is there anybody you saw that this year that like stood out to you? Like I know U Dub had a good secondary. Did you did you see any of that this year? No, because I don't really watch the the positions or the I should say the individuals and in the positions. I know that you guys talked about Greedy Williams quite a bit all year. We were very excited about him, possibly because of his name, much like Taco Charles. That's a really good. It name. did help. It did help. It did help. It does. Uh, that is the way to your guys' heart is a really cool nickname. Um, really, I know the type of player I want to see, and I know he's out there. I'm okay spending a our first round pick without moving back to get that player. But, but, uh, that is only because I feel like the, the pass rush can happen later. So what is that player? Describe the corner you want. I don't want what we have now. I would love a, a fabulous footwork corner, Kevin, someone finesse, someone who can push that player to the outside. They don't need to be, uh, necessarily fast, but if they were a little more physical, and could stick with their man. So you want like a press man corner that can flip his hips and uh, move with the wide receiver. I want that agility. A guy absolutely. who can mirror him, that kind of thing. Yeah, and not not show up late, Shaq. Okay. Um, okay. So if they're lacking in speed, they make up for in quickness. Does I that mean, make sense? We can we can start with Greedy Williams. I think. So do I, you want to tear it off real quick? Because sh- there's there's a handful of corners that are getting like first round or worst case early second round love. And then there's kind of like the rest. 
Okay, let me talk about so a, a why little don't bit you say about what what's, I, what's the top tier. When I watch cornerbacks, so here's the thing that's that's maybe for me, and uh, it's a little different for everyone else. So I'll, I'll start watching tape on these guys, right? And what I'll do right away is I'll watch like five or six plays, and I'll look at the measurements. And there's a lot of guys where I'll do that, and then I just turn the tape off like after six plays because I'm like, this guy's never going to end up on the Seahawks. Um, so, so that, so there are guys that are going to definitely be in the, the top tier that I did not watch a ton of tape on because they're just, they're just not going to end up on the Seahawks. They're, they're short or they're like Notre Dame, Julian Love. This guy, mm-hmm. I think he's good. Um, although I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the little bit I did see, but the, the thing is that guy's not a Seahawks corner. So, so yeah, he might be in tier one for some people, but for me, for me, judging it from like a Seahawks scouting protect perspective um i don't know so i guess he doesn't have the length that the team wants uh, a couple and, guys that are kind of on the fringe of that would be like deandre baker and byron murphy Byron Murphy, yeah, they're so like the minimum size byron murphy is gonna be a really tough sell too yeah, i gotta to see, see how else, long his arms are and how big his hands are at the combine to know if he's gonna have the length he plays with the length but it's hard to tell because the pac-12 receivers were not elite this year yeah deandre baker is the same thing i like i like deandre baker though i did full scouting him so i'd say our tier one though for seahawks from a seahawks perspective is Greedy Williams, Amani Oruwariye, yes, Aruarie. and then DeAndre Baker. I think that's your that's your tier one of uh, of Seahawks potential corners. Uh, would you agree with that, Kevin? I'd put Byron Murphy in there for right now, but yes, I agree with I, all those. I mean, I think Byron Murphy will deservedly be the first cornerback off the board. I just don't know if he's a good fit for the Seahawks. And also, they're not going to have the chance to draft him. Well, let me ask, <laughs> where is, uh, where's that first corner taken? What I number? Think someone's getting taken in the top 10. Yeah, I think Byron Murphy gets picked around 10. Okay. Uh, Byron Murphy, I think, has probably the most universal appeal. Uh, some teams like DeAndre Baker more. Somebody, somebody's going to want Greedy Williams because Greedy Williams is probably the best press man round one corner. So let's talk about Greedy Williams first. Greedy Williams, what I love about him, okay, is that Packers are going to draft him. By the he, way, when he <laughs> sniffs out a play that he can make a play on, like when he sees a play developing that is a play he can make on, he aggressively pursues the ball in a way that is very appealing from like a scouting perspective. He's going to get a lot of interceptions. Yep. Now, he does bite on double moves and he's like he is uh he can he can be burned that way. I call him a gambler. But but it is exciting to watch and the thing that he does is he does that Richard Sherman year 1 through 6 thing where it seems like he's out of the play a little bit and then nah, he's not out of the play at all. He was just straight up baiting he you. He was just straight up baiting you into throwing that bad pass and now he's taking the taking a pick the weird thing about it is is he's really strong in press coverage he can get in a guy's face and make that press move but he's really weak in run support and like is not a great tackler and even like screen tackling i yeah like he dies for people's feet and that that stuff like drives me nuts you can coach that out of him but it, it a lot of people a lot of scouts have taken to calling it protecting themselves or like they say like they're uh they're saving themselves for the pros or you know what I mean like they're yeah. not they're trying not to get hurt in college and I don't know it's I just, don't know if it's that but he definitely doesn't bring the aggressiveness to the tackle that he does to the coverage right so if you want like the the best like uh, ball hawk coverage guy in the in this draft I think you can do a lot worse than Greedy Williams Greedy Williams is that what did you what did you see Kevin when you watched him uh yeah same thing uh great in press man coverage that's uh, I didn't like him as much in zone but I think that's just because he didn't play it that much. Uh, he's aggressive in a good way, but he can gamble more than I like. I, he's capable of reading the run support, but then I put in dive tackler and I hate that. Uh, the thing that I really like was he can play the wide receiver's eyes. He can play the quarterback's eyes and he can play like, 
either face up or with his back to the receiver. So he's really good at positioning his body in that way. I feel like he has very good field awareness um, as a cover guy. And so he knows kind of instinctively how to like pinch a receiver to the sideline or kind of get his shoulder into the body when he makes the play for the ball. So I really do like his coverage skills a lot. I'm with I'm with you there on that, Nathan. I think uh, that he's probably the best straight up cover corner in the draft. No, the problem for me is that, uh, like you said, the zone the zone skills are not totally there, and which makes him a, an odd fit for us. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a it's kind of a maybe. the The physical tools are there, um, and he might actually be available at 19 or 21. Where are we picking? 21. 21 or 22. 21. So he might be available in that spot. That's not uh, unreasonable for me. So these top guys are laddering all over the place. Some people have greedy all the way down between like 20th and 30th. Some people have Byron Murphy way down because of questions about him. Some people have DeAndre Baker going in like the the last six spots of the first round. And then they'll also have like, I've seen all those players in the top 15. So we're still really early in the process. Okay. Let's talk about the guy that I I watched and instantly thought this is a Seahawks. um, This is a Seahawks corner. And that's uh, just the look of him. Amani. Ari Warrior, Kevin. All right, you go ahead and lead off on this one. So I love how he uses his hands in coverage. He will. He's got uh, long arms, and he will put a hand in your chest right on the line. Or if he's sitting like on a three to five yard bubble, he'll let you kind of soak up the. He'll let you sponge it up a little bit, but then he'll stick you as soon as you get to him. Yeah, the, the, the amount of like jolt he gets on guys right off the line is very impressive. I agree. Um, I like that he's capable of finishing with the interception or the passes defense. He uses his length well. He's physical at the catch point. Um, so when he's breaking it up, he'll uh, he'll put a chop on your arms. He'll get in there and just muscle it away. Like, he's really strong to the ball when playing it. Does he turn his body towards the ball? He does. He will turn and make a play on the ball. Uh, He's really smart. He has good route recognition, and he plays the wide receiver and quarterback's eyes well. Uh, He closes forward on the pass well to get his body between, uh, but he also is good at getting his body between the wide receiver and playing over his shoulder on deep routes. Um, solid in both man and zone concepts. Uh, I don't like him against the run. That's my big thing. He lacks physicality and commitment in the run game. He has this thing where he'll kind of like dance and then stay on a block and not shed it. And then he'll just fall on the pile or dive at a guy's legs. I, I hate his run coverage. Yeah, he had, he's kind of... he's he. The thing I liked about him was... He's the zone version of Greedy Williams. Yep. He's uh, he does really smart things in zone coverage where he like will jump routes or or try to guess a little bit, and but he doesn't ever really get destroyed when he does it. Um, probably worse man skills than Greedy though, and um, a little less ball hockey. But the but the I think overall just really really solid guy. If, and he's probably a guy that's going to go more like late one, early two, yeah. which does matter. Yeah. If we traded back later in the first round, I would not be surprised if this is who we were drafting. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a fan. Do uh, Don, DeAndre Baker next? Uh, sure, we can DeAndre Baker. So De- I don't think the Seahawks will draft DeAndre Baker. Let me let me start with that. I just doesn't seem like a great fit. But he does everything. There's nothing he's he's like bad at other than he seems like he can get burned by guys who are really fast. And in the Missouri game, he like got beat deep multiple times, and it, it, that stuff like that concerns me a little. 
But uh, but everything me a lot. But everything else. But you when you watch him, like his Alabama tape was really good. Mm-hmm. So you you watch him and he's he's solid. The yeah the scary thing is is if you know guys who are really with really elite speed are probably going to be able to take the top off of him. Yeah, I, I have the exact same thing in my notes. He can handle size very well. He plays a lot bigger than his size. Um, he was really good at high pointing the ball. Very very physical in routes and at the catch point. Um, but he doesn't always get his head around on deep and overpasses. And he uh, can struggle with top end speed. And at the pro level, he's going to need to get bigger. Like, there's no question about it. He's just. But I think his frame can handle it. He's not super narrow. I mean, he's he's like five eleven, like one seventy five. Like, there's he's he's not big. I think he's up to like he's he's going to end up at the combine around one ninety. I, I mean, that's what he needs to do though. Which he is what he needs to, to play. At. He needs to put on. He needs to get closer to two hundred pounds. Uh, the other thing I like about him is the same thing I like about uh, Arwarie, which is they're both players that can. Um, in shallow and middle zone, they can break forward on the ball in a way that often lines up interceptions. And the other thing too is, is like guys, when guys would catch the ball in front of him, he would break really hard and destroy people like to a level that he would break up passes that, that I thought people were going to catch. I was like, Oh, that's a cat. Nope. That's what him and Byron Murphy are both really good at is like, if you catch the, if you catch it in front of them, you better be ready to get stuck. Like, that's, I think both of them are the best corners at that. They're the best first round tackling corners, in my opinion. All right. So then there, then there's like the, the, the next guys I scouted were like round two slash three guys that I thought the Seahawks might go for. So these are the guys I identified, Kevin, and you tell me if I missed someone, okay? Okay. Joan Williams, Lonnie Johnson, uh, Michael Jackson, and Rocky Essen. Those were the four guys that I thought, these are guys that if the Seahawks traded back into round two or maybe just used their round three pick and one of these guys happened to be available, these are guys they might pick. Is there anyone that you're really into that I just should have watched? Uh, yeah, there's two other guys that I would like to put on that list are uh, Jamel Dean out of Auburn and Jordan Miller out of Washington. Okay, so Jamel Dean and Jordan Miller. Okay, I'm going uh, to let you go do those guys first then because I don't know hardly anything about them because I, I didn't... I didn't identify them all right so uh jamel dean is um a bigger corner uh six two a little over 200 pounds he's gonna be in like that four five five range for his 40 so a little bigger not elite speed but a lot of range and size uh he was productive at auburn um on a really good defense in the sec but he also uh, had some injuries so his games played aren't huge what I like about him is he has, um, he's another hitter. He's like one of those guys where if you catch the ball, he's going to put some paint on you. Um, he has good hand strength and can contest plays really well. He's capable of finishing with the interception. Um, he gets his hands on receivers in the first five yards. He's a good press guy, but he has the hips capable to flip and turn and run with you for his size. He moves really well for his size. He tackles like a safety. Um, he's another guy I'm worried he may not be able to handle elite speed, but he does have really good lateral quickness, and he's able to keep tight off of routes breaking in or out or wherever. So um, he's a good mirror guy. So his man coverage skills are really good, and his zone coverage skills are good enough, but that's what will need work. Okay. Um, and then Jordan Miller out of Washington has a more narrow frame, but he's over six foot and has a lot of good length. Um, he plays bigger, even though he's kind of narrow at the hips and shoulders. Uh, he's really good at like riding a dude's hip pocket in deep coverage and kind of getting in. He has the hands to finish, but he doesn't always do it. 
Uh, he can turn and run or he can slide step. He doesn't do a lot of backpedal work because Washington doesn't ask for that, but uh, neither does Seattle, so that's fine. Uh, he's really good at mirroring off the line and he knows how to press well. He just doesn't always use his hands. Um, he's good at using leverage on a receiver to play against the ball. Uh, he uses his length to shed blockers to decent effect. He's a solid tackler. I wish he was a little more aggressive in run coverage, but he's really aggressive against uh, um, screens. And the last thing I like about is he's good on like read and react plays in zone. And he's played on the outside on both sides and he's played nickel. So he's got experience playing all over. So for a guy who might go in the third to fifth round, he could fit in a lot of spots on our defensive backfield. All right. Uh, let's start with Lonnie Johnson. Lonnie Johnson came out of Senior Bowl with like a lot of buzz. He had a really good Senior Bowl. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch the tape, see what I see. And he's six and, foot twenty, and he's like six foot three, and he's two hundred and six, <laughs> and he looks really good in his uniform. And that's about all the nice things I'm gonna say about him. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, he's he like really struggles in. In, in uh, like a lot of things, he's okay. Here's here's what he's good at. He's good at like um, he backs up at the beginning of almost every play. Mm-hmm. He like gives like a big cushion, and then he covers his own well. Um, but I mean, if you want to just give up five yard receptions on every play, this is your dude. But if you give up five reception on every play, they don't even have to use their third down. Like it's 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 um he it's, makes the tackle after the catch a lot, but he allows like significant cushion in and out of breaks. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that the ceiling is is really high. Like the the best version of this guy, if someone can develop him, is good. But if if the but the the basement is never really has an impact on an NFL football field. And so the, at that point, like you have to get him in the fourth round or fifth round. You can't you can't take a chance on him earlier than that. So yes, I would be excited if we took him late. But if they went after him too early, I would I would assume they saw something I didn't see, or he had an excellent combine i agree that there's some guys you could probably get in the fifth that i think you could develop in the same way uh, yeah uh, then, do you okay. want to talk about isaiah johnson then next i Since, was i was thinking the other big oh okay we can go with isaiah johnson because he has a very similar situation here um sure um i didn't i don't have isaiah that wasn't one of my four guys oh sorry i i we talked about him off the podcast and i forgot that you didn't mention him just now yeah so you can know isaiah johnson so right? he's another guy who is also like six three um, he's out of Houston. He's another really long guy who gives up way too much cushion and has all the physical tools. But with the big cushions, NFL wide receivers will murder him. So those are two developmental guys where if one of them fell to the fifth, I'd take him. But I really wouldn't want to spend my third on either one because they should not see the field year one. And another developmental guy is Rocky Sin. He never really had to play zone. He, there's not a lot of tape because he just had the one year at, at, at Temple. Yep. And so out of Presbyterian, it's, yeah, exactly. So he's really. I bet fit. you this dude rocked at a Presbyterian, but there's no tape. He's super physical, which is like really fun to watch. Yes, but but uh, but he's he's gonna need a lot of work. If you if you want a guy that you don't have to start in your one. Now here's the thing. I said the kind of the same thing about Trey Flowers' cornerback project, and he turned out to be pretty okay. So maybe the Seahawks can develop him really quickly. But he is not from the tape. He's not like fully seasoned yet. He's going to need more time to be ready to play. Um, like any, like a guy like Doug Baldwin would rip this guy to shreds uh, with just good route work. Yeah, the big thing that I noticed with him is he has the lateral quickness to mirror a wide receiver really well. And he handles fakes really well and he knows his job and role on the defense. But if he doesn't get his hands on you inside of the first five yards, um, speed beats him deep really bad. And I don't think he's slow. 
I just think like he loses a feel for a fast receiver. And so like if and you're it, on the left hash and he's playing on the right side against the outside receiver on the wide side of the field, if a guy like Will Fuller or something just runs like a big fade 30 yards upfield, if he doesn't put a hand on the wide receiver's chest, he can kind of just get lost behind him and lose like a step and a half. And a step and a half in the NFL is like a mile of room. And some people are really, this guy I see going way up people's boards. And I think that, I don't really understand. It's the, it's I think the, he might be going up media boards faster than he's going up NFL boards. I don't know if it's the name or the, it's a, good the, name. the, it's a really good name. I don't know if it's the name or just the lack of total amount of tape that makes you like think like, well, we don't know exactly he went to what Temple. he could be. Um, the other thing, the thing I will say for him though is in the senior bowl, watching his senior bowl practices and then his game tape, you could see him develop in just that one week and make some improvements. So I could see him being a guy who catches on quick and really ups his game. Um, I also noticed in the senior bowl, he was able to work some zone concepts a little better. So I feel better about him than I do about um, either Isaiah or Lonnie Johnson. Yeah, I would say there's... But he also might go like a round and a half higher than either of them. Yeah, I was gonna say like which I, is think, a I think you got to pay more, a lot more to get him. Uh, the all right, let's go with Joan Johnson or Joan Williams. Sorry, Joan Williams. I like Joan Williams. I'm not sure what he'll be in the NFL, but he's smart. Um, he makes smart plays, and he's, he's huge too. He's, he's another, really like, he's condor. really big. Um, I'm really curious to see like how fast he'll run because it seems he doesn't seem super fast from the from the tape like he seemed like vanderbilt players always seem slow i don't know if it's the uniforms i don't know but (laughs) because he's not getting beat by guys he just doesn't look very fast on the hoof yeah i would i wouldn't be surprised if he ended up if he runs like a four five like he might jump up draft boards yeah because people will be like whoa because the tape is actually if he runs like a four five flat then i wouldn't mind spending like an early second on him when you watch the tape and you see him like jam a guy and then on the next play he like makes a really smart zone read and like or and plays his zone really well and you're like this guy's really pretty good like joe on is pretty pretty sweet so um that's a guy i would keep an eye on is like if the seahawks uh are there at the you know in the third round and he's there that's a guy i would really really want at that spot if they trade back into the second and he has a good combine also same thing um really really tantalizing uh prospect for me um here's a guy that's gonna get drafted too high michael jackson (laughs) dude so this guy is going all over in like pre-draft stuff there's people who are like yeah this guy's gonna go in the second round and there's other people they're like yeah this guy's gonna go in the sixth round so I really want to see what happens at the combine and as people start to narrow that window because, man, if he goes in like the third through the fifth round, he's kind of interesting. If he goes in like the second round or the early third round, man, they're seeing something I'm not. I'm I'm with you on on that. Um, just it's I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's weird. He has the size and I think that's what people get really into size and he looks like he has crazy long arms, too. He does. But like, <laughs> so, so. you know. Have you ever watched those nature videos of, like, a, a big cat hauling down, like, a, a, a gazelle and do that thing where they, like, bite the back of them and then, like, just drag them down? That's how this guy tackles. Like, he just, like, loops his arms around you and then just, like, tries to suplex everybody and then can't quite do it. So he just, like, falls on your ankles. This His tackling form is weird, and I don't like it. But he's, like, really willing. He's aggressive. I just don't like how he tackles. 
what I'm hearing on all these names, though, is that a lot of these these teams are going to take him because the coaches think they can coach him up. I think we have a defensive coach that can do that, but it depends on what player is going to actually be another, coachable. Another thing too is Miami plays a lot of man, so Michael Jackson is going to it's it's going to be gonna a switch. Zone help, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a switch to play in zone. That's another thing to think about is scheme fit. Okay, uh, a guy who might go later is Kendall Sheffield. Okay, that's your. Oh yeah, I was gonna ask you. You have like a late round sleeper. Yeah, that he's you just really one like. guy I want to throw out there who might go like fifth round or later. So Kendall Sheffield is fast, pretty long. Um, he's a very physical corner. He plays strong against the run. He can play the QB in zone. Uh, he uses his hips and hands to establish position, but he can get grabby. Even though he's fast enough, he's kind of grabby. He'll have a tendency to pull cloth at the tops of routes, things like that. And I don't know if he's necessarily instinctive in how he plays some of those things. So I'm not sure. Like, but he's a guy who could come in and play, and his upside's really big. All right, um, let's go to safety. So at safety at this point, um, we are we are looking at well in free agency. We we talked about one safety already. We got we snuck in a little bit of a uh, uh, honey badger, Teron Teron Matthew. Um, but safety is actually a much more appealing position to find a free agent at than, um, than cornerback. I wouldn't mind pulling Trey Boston. Yeah. Okay. Or, or, uh, like Kenny, Kenny Vaccaro, like some of these cheaper guys, but yeah, exactly. Haw- Hawkland Dix is going to be a free agent. Um, He's going to make know- $11 billion. No, him he- and, uh, Landon I don't think Collins. so. I think the way that Green Bay dumped him, like really just killed his value. Like he, I think that that was like a they po- they poisoned him, and the way he he did not he did not take to Washington at all. I and don't know. Certainly not because Washington's really bad. Yeah, I'm. I'm not <laughs> saying. I'm not. I'm saying that I want him on our team. So. I mean, yeah, if we can get him for like six or seven a year, like sign me up. I'm. 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 I'm saying that that might be a possibility, Kevin. Is then all, sign me up. All I'm trying to say because Landon Collins is going to get like nine. Well, yeah. Okay, so we can't get Landon Collins. That's the be- that's the best guy. I don't think he's a great fit for. I don't think he's a great fit either. Us. I think Hawkland Dix is a better fit. I just it, assumed he was anyway. going to make eleven billion dollars. Um, if you're telling me that's not a thing, I am like, yeah. sign me, sign me the f up. I really want that guy. But I mean, what about? Okay, so Adrian Amos is probably another really really good guy that we can't afford. But that that, that that's kind of what I'm stabbing at is that the the safeties in this draft are I mean in this free agent class are are pretty talented. There's seven or eight guys, uh, Adrian Amos, Hawkins, Trey Boston, uh, you know, the, the, all these guys are, are quality Landon Collins, quality, quality, quality starters. And they're all just available. You know, there's tons of guys out there. So and the safety market did not get a lot of money last year too. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's one other guy, Earl Thomas. Have you heard of him? Is he good? Don't talk about it. About Anthony Harris, there's, I mean, there's just yeah, like there's just a bunch of guys. Anthony Harris is RFA though; you'd have to give up draft picks Stop to get him. Harris. But, but yeah, it's what I'm trying to say, there. what I'm stabbing at, of course, is that, and I don't think Chicago is going to get any other guys back. I don't think Amos is coming back. I don't because they they spent a lot of money to keep to keep Mac. And I was about to say they're paying Khalil Mac all of their money. So they they which think, isn't a dumb idea. No, it's not. <laughs> He's really good at football, and they'll probably get at least one of their guys back. Just because um, their quarterback's on a rookie deal, they have some money. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so free agency is an option for safety. Whereas uh, with cornerback, I feel like it's 
it's not a great it's not a great option both because there's not a lot of talent that's a good fit and there's not a lot of talent that's talented but safety depth i mean the the middle range of guys too like there's you could go get adrian phillips or clover quinn or kenny vicario or reggie reggie nelson or jonathan jones and all those guys are like quality depth you know and they're not none of them are going to be expensive they're all going to be probably pretty cheap. Which I wouldn't mind getting a depth guy and a guy who could compete for starting. Because at this point, it's hard to trust our safeties to stay healthy. Yeah. And lack of depth at safety was a, was a killer last year. All right. Now, there's a, there's two guys that have been talked about as, you know, four first-round talents, I think, at this point. Um, one is a guy who was always there. And the other one is a guy who's come screaming up draft boards the more people who get to watch him play. And so let's talk about the guy who's the more exciting of the two. Uh, Nasir Adderley is a safety from Delaware. Eric, how do you make? How does that make you feel? Well, he's from a. Uh, I'm guessing he's a big fish in a very very tiny pond. Okay. Now Delaware is a top flight, uh, yeah, uh, FCS school. It's like which means they actually play against other good. Like like they play against like North Dakota State and they get and they get into Eastern that, Washington. They get into the tournament at the end of the year. Yeah. So they, they he actually do... had to play against the best of the players that were not as good. He's in he's in Gonzaga. Got it. But yeah, the dude was clearly the most talented. Okay, um let me say about Adderley. Really fast. He's an excellent special teamer. Um maybe the best most exciting special teams tape I watched on any of these cornerbacks and safeties because they all have some. Dude, he thumped people. Um, he he was a murderer. He will imme- whatever team drafts him. If they don't get anything out of him at safety for the first year, they will get a lot out of him at, in special teams. Like he is he both was a returner and a gunner. Yeah, he could return too. He was returns. He's a physical returner. It was weird. <laughs> he would just run dudes over. He'd be like, he'd get a, a head full of steam. You know, get his first eight yards, and then a guy would be there, and he'd be like, I'm not gonna go around that guy. I'm gonna go. Directly through that guy, um, he covers <laughs> At least a lot. They of, had jerseys. <laughs> he covers a lot of ground really fast, um, and you think like, okay, it's Delaware tape. I don't know how excited I should get, but it is consistently very impressive. Uh, yeah, I think he's just he has a lot of potential to be a really good deep safety. Um, now the thing is, is he's a total, it's a total wild card drafting a guy from Delaware because you just never totally know how it's going to translate. It, the tape is very promising to the point where I think it's worth a first round pick for someone to take a chance on him. But there's always that shot that, yeah, it was just he was playing. He was a man among boys, right? There's an old scout saying, though, uh, when you're watching a guy play against a lower level of competition, you want to see somebody who pops off the tape and he jumped off the tape. It's the- they did not have to tell me what his number was. They did not have to do the little thing where there's an arrow. As soon as I turn the tape on, I'm like, oh, that's the guy I'm it's, supposed to be watching. The, and clearly no one else. It's the murderer guy. Yeah. The guy that was just <laughs> killing. Ev- Dude, he kills people. Like, And he comes from really far away, too. Um, he tracks a- the deep ball well. He closes well. He has vertical ability. He played man and zone coverage. Yeah, I don't like, think he was like a great coverage guy i thought but he was good in uh like against slot receivers he did well he was fine uh but he he does he does a good job closing plays down like no one got like a catch and then a big run it was just like some guys got catches on him i would the, say he's one of the two best cover guys out of the top corners in this draft or top uh, safeties in this draft um i don't know if i agree but the i the physical or sorry two, one of the three there's there are two other guys i think that are also as, as good as him as I said, there's there's not the safety draft is like medium. I, I think there's two that are not good cover guys. I'll yeah. say it that way too. Where do you so, think he goes realistically? Uh, uh, Seventeen. I don't know. That's like a number that I, w- I would be not bottom half of the first round, top of the half of the second wow. round, somewhere in there. And if he goes in the second round, Kevin, 
at this point, it would be he would have to have a really bad combine. The tape is like really, really good. Yeah, but there's some people that just don't draft defensive backs from small schools. So he's like not on some people's board. Compare him to uh, to the guy we missed out on last year by one pick. Derwin James, James. not even the same person. Derwin James. Derwin James. Derwin James is freaking good. Derwin James James was a top ten pick that slid for no reason. The thing about Derwin James is is that you 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 knew from the evaluation process like this guy will be a Pro Bowler the first season maybe. Like it was like very hard to understand why he wouldn't be. Um, Derwin James was one of the five best pass rushers. Yeah. Among rookies, according to last year's numbers, and he's a safety. Yeah, he's, he didn't rush the passer very much. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, his skill set is dumb. Yeah, that that, that was just. A, I mean, <laughs> he got he got one pick. I feel depressed all but, over uh, again. But but I mean, we we knew, and we was that was our guy. We went hard for him. Um, the thing about Nasir Adderley and the guy we're probably going to talk about next, the two first round guys, is that Nasir Adderley is a legitimate single high safety. He can play single high and cover a lot of ground. I'm not sure. I think that the amount of ground he covers, he's a little less, he's slightly less, breaks slightly later. Like, I think he makes... He's his, more bursty. He makes his decision later, but he might be faster than Deontay Thompson. So let's go Let's go into Deontay Thompson, though. The thing I like about Deontay Thompson is, is that he covers a lot of ground. That's basically it, but I, it's such a good... That, that the way, how much ground he covers is so much that I am willing to forgive some of the other stuff that I'm like, okay, well, this guy did get from there to there on this play, and I don't really understand how that's possible. He missed the tackle getting from there to well, there, that's do- fine. He doesn't always... He overran the play getting from there he to does there, that thing that's that, fine. He does that thing that I criticized Earl for a lot of times, which is that he'll get there and like affect the play but not finish it. Ooh, Brian um, Russell. Shut up. <laughs> if you think Deontay Thompson is Brian Russell, Kevin, yards I, I, I really question... Uh, no, it's he's way more athletic than Brian Russell's. He just has all of Brian Russell's like he's really football a, IQ. He's really aggressive. He has he has he hits really hard. Um, he, he has good ball skills. Him. No, I don't even think he hits hard. No, he definitely hits hard. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up yeah, YouTube he video. misses I feel like hits so often that it's really Kevin. hard to tell because he ends he's up hitting the truck stick too like, early. He ends up, I, I'm, I honestly wonder if he needs glasses. Because he tends to tackle like three yards next to the guy. It was a Rick Vaughn problem, huh? <laughs> I just think I watched something different than Kevin watched because I really yeah, disagree. If it was with, like, tape, I don't. Oh man! I mean, the in the 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 first his first career game against Clemson, I thought I, that's where I started, and he was good, really good in that game. And then I kept going, and I thought nothing really changed except for he got asked to do more things, and he wasn't as good at those things as he is at the the one thing that. That they should have been asking him to do, which is play single eye safety and help people and like cover a lot of ground, like that, and diagnose things and, and get across the play. Like I that's... feel like he often gets too deep in single high safety and runs himself out of a play. Then when he goes downhill, he has a tendency to take bad angles. I don't, I, I, I don't like his spatial awareness on the field. I think he is constantly out of position and tries to he use gets his pull- athleticism to make up for it. He gets pulled by the quarterback. He bites on fakes constantly. Yeah, that's he bites the- on every trick play. He's out of position all the time. Like I understand the criticism like he plays out of control. He and he like falls the quarterback size. And those are things that he definitely does that he those are weaknesses. But he has a he has a unique talent that is you can't teach, and I think you can coach a lot of the other stuff out of his game. Like control yourself more as a tackler. That's co- totally coachable. The thing, and that you can't coach someone to just be like crazy fast and super athletic. Yeah, I and, just worry about him as a first year starter. And uh-huh, if you're drafting would, him in the first round, 
then that's what you I, want. I do think if you draft him like 10th, you're going to be disappointed. But if we get him trading back to 31st and we play him some behind Tedrick and, and Brad, that's actually like pretty sweet, I think. I think there's a really decent chance that he never develops, though. Uh I'm not so, I'm not on that page, but I can I can see why you'd say that. I mean, I, I mean, he has all the upside in the world. I'm not going to argue with you there. I just I really question if he'll ever make it to that. If they, if people do stupid things with him, he'll be bad. Like if they're like, hey, we're going to play you down in a nickel and have you jam guys and try to cover. He's not good at that. He's not going to do a good job. He's not going to. That's not what he's. We're going to play you at strong you, safety and have you read and react to the run. He's not good at that. No, he's not. You you have to use him a certain way. And But the thing is, I think the Seahawks are the kind of team that would use him the right way. I mean, we like the one thing that he does. That's true. Yeah, th- that's another reason I think I liked him is because it reminded me of like the way that a guy like Earl Thomas comes across the field and, and makes a play. That's the kind of thing I wanted. Oh, yeah, he's see. got sideline to sideline speed. There's it's, no doubt there. It's uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, Then I, I don't think there's any other first-round guys. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And I yeah. honestly wouldn't be surprised if neither of them went in the first round. Uh, I think... I think they'll both go in the first round, but I think Deion- just because pass rushers and defensive tackles, might it's push really them hard to say which one will go first. That's the thing I've been struggling with. I think uh, I think somebody might fall in love with Deontay Johnson, like you did. Um, I think that Nazir Adderley has more well, wide appeal. They'll know his name is Deontay Thompson, <laughs> not Deontay Johnson. Kevin, I said Thompson. <laughs> no, you said Johnson. Go to the tape. All right, uh, one done, Cherry. <laughs> done, Cherry. All right, okay. shut up, so then, go to the table. What, what's your next tier of guys, Kevin? Like- uh, so my next set of guys, I have Taylor Rapp out of uh, Washington, uh, Juan Thornhill out of Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. Jonathan a- Abram out of uh, Texas A&M, Amani Hooker out of Iowa, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out of Florida are all kind of round two slash three safeties. I had a- that I would not feel bad about any of them showing up in like our third round spot. I had all those guys except Rap, just because I'm afraid of the the injury. He, he he's coming back off. That's the one that's coming back off a serious injury, right? No. Oh, wait, who's that then? Who am I thinking of? I mean, he was injured, but like I, as far as I know, it was not like some big serious injury. Okay, so maybe I'm thinking of someone else then. Uh, anyway, okay, Taylor Rapp's big. Uh, Taylor Rapp's big. He has good range. He has a lot of length. He can finish with the pick. He's capable in both man and zone. Uh, good read and react skills in the run game. Uh, I'd love to see him take more aggressive angles against the run, though. Uh, he played deep safety a lot, which is good if you're trying to project him into ours. Um, he gets his body in on the tackle in the pass game. Uh, he's not the best coverage safety ever, and he doesn't have elite, elite range. But I yeah. do think he's very good in all those areas. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing for me when I when I uh, when I watched it was that Taylor Rapp is not crazy fast, but he's strong, and I think and he's it's a fast. It really depends on what we what we need, and I wouldn't. It will in his combine. I think his combine time will matter a lot where he goes in the draft. Yeah, if he runs like a four six, then he's gonna get drafted in like the third or fourth round. But if he runs like a four four two, he's gonna be like late first. Yeah, because that that will show that the range issues were more mental processing and less um, less true elite speed. I also think that he wasn't asked to do that a lot. It's like it's, if you watch him try and keep up with a guy in coverage, he never has a problem keeping up. It's just you don't see him go sideline to sideline. But Washington Dub runs a lot of. Uh, uh, like too high safety concepts and stuff like that. All right, uh, Juan Thornhill. Uh, I love Juan Thornhill. I think if there's any uh, safety that could actually be a corner, it's Juan Thornhill. Really, I was gonna go the other way. I like like him like he's big and he's like I would like to see him be like a like develop into like that Cam Chancellor style hitter because he's such a good like he's really really 
like he did you read that thing that he jumped 41 inches yes. vertical like he's a really t- like talented like bursty athlete if you, know? you look though his man coverage skills are really strong um on the tape it jumped out to me uh he's not super athletic but he has really really good body control um he uses his length really well he's a capable blitzer i love how decisive he is downhill against the run game he's like the and he breaks forward like he'd be a really good box safety i agree with you he's but he could play deep he's really smart mm-hmm. so um the thing is he's like the Maybe this is a good thing. He's like the reverse Deontay Thompson. Like, he's really smart, but his athletic upside is capping him right now. If Juan Thornhill had Deontay Thompson's athleticism, <laughs> he'd be the best. He'd be like a top five pick. Top five pick, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's it's hard to get super crazy excited about him just because I have a feeling. I mean, if he really runs a, if he really runs a 6'5'9 Condro, which is what they said, I mean, that, okay, yeah, maybe he's going to get picked in the first or second round. Like, he's he might borderline his way up to that point. But I just think that that was like a hand timing. Very friendly hand timing on this card. I don't know if he'll necessarily be much worse than that. His foot quickness is really good, and you can see that in his run coverage. That's a really... I think it's more his like straight line speed that's going to be uh, slower. That's going to be... Okay, let's go to... Um... You want Jonathan Abram? Chauncey Gard- let's go Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. That's, okay. the, that's the, one, the one I have open right now. All uh, right, you start. Okay. Um, you can do him and Hooker first. He's inconsistent but but real like the good stuff is really good mm-hmm. so i like like i wouldn't mind at all if they we went and got chauncey got chauncey cart because he can do a little bit of everything there's nothing that he really sucks at he's really rangy he's versatile he can cover he can play zone he can play man um, but he isn't consistent like sometimes he just is bad and it doesn't seem there's not like a rhyme or reason about it it's just sometimes he's not playing that good and you like watch the same as you watch him do a similar thing in the same game, and you're like, he does it perfect. It's, it's like a like, mental lapse. It's like, all right, well, um, I think he could step in and play free safety for a lot of teams on day one and be completely fine uh, because of the because the good stuff is that good. Um, so, I also thought he was better in zone than man. I feel like his man needs a lot of work. Okay, um, I can dig it. I feel like there's a bit of a footwork thing there. More mistakes in man for sure. Yeah. I can I can actually think now that I'm thinking about it, that seems right to me. Um, but yeah, I agree with your assessment there. He cut, co- he like covers ground and makes plays too. Like breaks up thing passes that other guys would not be able He's to. He's kind of like up. a poor Deontay Thompson in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but he might go in the spot that I'd rather draft Deontay Thompson in. In the middle of the second round. Yeah. Middle, late second round, maybe slip into the third. If we traded back into the top of the second round, this might be a guy that we're going for. That's, he t- totally seems like the type fit. Like a yeah. guy that the Seahawks would love to develop. As- I think we both agree. Like we'd much rather have our warrior. If if we're picking in that slot, you know, I think oh the, I think the we cornerback? all, all agree oh, yes. that the corners are more appealing. Oh, from everything you guys said about him, that's who I want. But again, I haven't seen any tape because I don't uh, watch college. Uh, okay. Amani Hooker, Amani Hooker, do it. Uh, you start. Me start. Yep. Amani Hooker. Um, okay, I don't know what position he would play on the Seahawks. That's kind of how I felt watching it. Like, is this guy? Because I I don't think he's better than Brad. And it's he's gonna have a hard time unseating Brad in that strong safety spot. And then I'm not sure he's has the range that uh, I don't think he Kendrick? has the like the the what, shifty hips, the shiftiness to like really cover guys like like I would want him to if he was playing Tedrick's position. Iowa didn't ask him to do that at all. They That's, had him doing a lot of downhill work, and I think part of it was because he had a lot more it, size. They did a lot of zone stuff where he would like start in a zone and then just run sh- like yeah he you diagnose the, just a hash diagnose the play and then just like attack and yeah it's like 
I don't. So I really need to see like cone times and stuff. He's one I'm having a hard time assessing without. The he's data. really good at diagnosing the play, though. Yep. He made a lot of plays like in the backfield or close to the line of scrimmage that I thought would be difficult for other dudes to to make. Or like coming in and crashing like a bubble screen or something. Mm-hmm. Like he will just he will murder your bubble screen all day. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I don't think he could play single high though. If he played single high like the Tedrick position, I think he'd get destroyed. I would worry um, about it. I um, it would be it would be a, it would be a tough fit. And then, like I said, then you got to unseat Brad, which is like really tough. For but if he's like sitting there in the third or the fourth, oh, he'd, he'd be appealing because okay. he's a guy who. If this guy's up. available in the fourth round, that's that's really good. That, that means that's a great value. I mean, one of these guys is gonna fall though. That's the interesting thing. It's a matter of who it is, because there's kind of too many guys that are all grouped into that second to early third. Someone's not gonna get picked there. Um, uh, Jonathan Abram. Go ahead, you do Jonathan Abram. Okay, I really, really love his read, recognize, and react skills. Um, he's another guy who plays downhill very well. I think he could actually unseat Brad. Okay. I think his burst is better. He is more athletic, but he has that same ability to quickly diagnose an attack. This praise is too high, but he's the best player I know who does it. It's kind of like how Bobby Wagner just looks like the Terminator. Like, the run play starts, and Bobby Wagner just knifes through everything, and next thing you know, he, like, blinks his eyes and shows up next to the running back and then murders him. Uh, Abram did that a lot, where you would just watch, and they'd be throwing a screen, and, like, they would start to flare it out on that bubble screen, and suddenly, right about the time the ball hits a finger, Abram is just, like, murdering someone. Um... I think that he's a really, really big-time talent at strong safety. I don't think he's a single high safety guy. I don't see him playing going backwards very often. He plays a lot more like box safety concepts, and that's where I think he'd be more comfortable and able to make an immediate impact. All right, I'm going to bring up a guy that I think um, is like a scheme fit, but but maybe it's a really late pick, um, like Marquise Blair. I okay. Th- I think uh, Mar- Utah? Uh, Marquise Blair is, is played in Utah. They played him in the box all the time. And if they want to play a guy in the box all the time, like they did with Cam Chancellor, if this if they can get Marquise Blair and get him to gain like twenty pounds of muscle, because he's aggressive, he has all the traits except for he's not a giant. He's a converted corner, so he's a little slimmer. Is, yeah, he's six. He's six two one ninety five right now. It needs to. He would need to be closer to like two fifteen to really pull off this. Uh, this kind of position, but the way that they played him in the box and how aggressive and, and uh, decisive he was in those plays was pretty good. Not great coverage. Um, <laughs> Jojo McIntosh is very similar. So, UW. so I think like that would be something that you, you'd need to really think about. And, and those but, are like rounds, like five, six kind of guys. He's, like, those are later guys. Rounds he's four really, six. um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, Darnell Savage is the other guy. Who's similar? Like you could play him in the box, uh, but he's he's five eleven. So like I worry about if he do, doesn't have the size. Um, Darnell Savage also uh, his tape on Maryland is super weird. Where <laughs> like like they kept he had a, like a, more interceptions than I expected, and then I because I was expecting like everyone said like the scouting reports all say like big hitter, big hitter. So I was like, where are the big hits? And I'm watching the tape and I'm like, no big hits yet, but like two interceptions somehow. Yep. So it's like. He, he can do a lot of things decently. That's um, PJ Locks, another guy that his tape was weird like that. Darnell Savage, I think, right away will be a really good special teams player. Because on special teams, he lit some people up. Yep. So I think that uh, that's a guy you could see us take really late in the draft and be like, okay, 
I know this guy's going to immediately have a good impact on special teams. Okay, so then I have a counter for you. Go ahead. Another guy who's going to be really late with the opposite skill set. This is a guy who could play single high. Um, he oh. did it all the time for Boston College. His name's Lucas Dennis. Okay. Uh, but he's about 5'11", 185, 190. Okay. Um, but he understands how to play zone as the deep man. He will punish the hell out of your mistakes. And this guy can finish interceptions. He has a lot of picks in his career. Um, he gets his hands on the pass well, um, whether it's for the pass defense or the pick. But he needs to get stronger, and he's, like, way too much of a drag-down tackler. He's not a strong tackling guy. I could see him being an interesting person to pick late as a guy who could kind of provide an option in that single high-deep scenario. Because se- that's hard to get. He had seven interceptions and ten pass breakups in 2017? Yep. That's pretty That's pretty crazy, especially to follow it up with one interception and two pass Yep, breakups. That's that's a thing that kind happened. of a let, kind of a letdown season after that seven because seven picks and ten pass breakups is in insane. Because he's a guy who could go late or undrafted, and he would be really interesting because it's hard to find a guy who can back up that single high concept. That's not an easy thing to play in the league. Yeah. All right. So there's a uh, there's some guys to think about. If you have a favorite, sit. We're at an hour. We're not even gonna have time. You know, we're gonna have like hour and a half. Whatever. Who cares? We only live once. Um, okay. <laughs> so if you have a favorite safety or cornerback from this next year's draft, uh, or next, if you, there's a safety, you really want to see a sign, let us know, uh, on Twitter, uh, or wherever else you want to message us. Um, if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest for as little as a dollar 24 a month, get access to some stuff. If there's a specific player you want me and Kevin to watch YouTube videos of and give our opinion, uh, just post it on the Patreon. If you're a, your patron. Uh, we will we will go ahead and take a look for you. There are some things that are hard for us to predict. We got a question this week about um, forty hey, can times. You, can you at forty times? Like I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, it, that's something that like neither of us are great hey, at. Let me let me give a guess. Uh, Nasir Adelie is going to run like a four four, and Deontay Thompson is also going to run like a four four. And then other than that, I can't really tell you because the other guys are those are guys who have eye popping speed on the tape. But then other guys you just don't really know. You're like that guy looks kind of fast, but I'm not sure. There's there's like a level thing that I've it's noticed. It's hard for me to tell the difference in my eyes between like a four five two and a four five six, and depending on like if you're if you're Al Davis or not, that could be a big difference. That could be. <laughs> uh, the other thing is uh, the other thing with corner is there's more like you have to be under four six. If you run over four six, you're gonna get burned all day. Yeah. If you run under four six, you might be able to work. Uh, you remember that guy Tease Tabor um, on the Lions who kept getting victimized? Mm-hmm. He ran a four six. Yeah. Tease Tabor, I thought was could be decent, but then when he ran the but four, then he was six, just was, too slow. He just was, didn't have the foot speed. Yeah, and people will just put a fast guy in the slot and burn him deep all, all day. Right. All right, let me thank these patrons: Nick, Matt, Michael, Josh, you, Michelle, Frank, Arthur, Keith, Mirza, David, Mike, Brett, Kieran, Chuckatilla, Kevin, Lucas, Tom, Richard, and of course. Forest, thank you so much. You guys are helping us out, helping us keep making the podcast. All right, movie zone. This is the late night movie zone now because is it Eric after hours. Movie Eric? zone up what, all what, night. What movie are we doing? Well, we're doing the classic action thriller, the dramedy romance, gem. Starship Troopers. Oh boy! Uh, all right, what does because this movie the not only have? Good bug. 
is a dead bug. It was nominated for an Academy Award, guys. So you know what? Uh, it you was can nominated make... for more than one Academy Award. I uh, just won it. Best I, Casper I Van Diem in a Casper Van Diem. Oh yeah, sorry. Thing. It was nominated for multiple awards. It was only nominated for Best Visual Effects. <laughs> I was like, if it got nominated for wow, something what a... other than that, it also got it for acting for Casper. Van Diem. <laughs> <laughs> no, for Jake Busey, Best Supporting. Best every supporting single Jake person Busey. in the movie. Uh. <laughs> All right, so in the, the movie, I mean, the plot of the movie is the same as the right book. Now? It's the 23rd century. Now there's bugs, Kevin. Eric gonna gonna. Block. I laugh so hard because before the podcast, you're like, Ke- Kevin, will you read this for no, me? No, I just wanted to say that there are bugs, <laughs> Kevin. What's the act? So there are bugs. What? How do we react to bugs? All right, so we react to bugs by trying to kill the bugs. Um, this movie is shot using World War II era propaganda techniques. Um, it's there's this really beautiful filming style where it's like click to learn more because the internet was just a thing in 1997. So would you like, like to learn more? Yes, and these slogans, these taglines. Look at the kids doing their part, and as much kids like stomping on anthills and stuff. Um, but it's about bugs who are holy. Not just any bugs, Kevin. Alien bugs. Giant space bugs. Giant space bugs that are uh, attacking Earth in the form of, like, interplanetary ballistic missiles. Spores, Uh, are They are firing asteroids at uh, Earth, and it is leveling entire cities. So everyone's going out to sign up. And you get to see Johnny Rico... And amazing name. Uh, his girlfriend, his girlfriend Richard, Carmen, Denise Richards, Denise Richards, and his friend Dizzy Flores, and they are all from Buenos Aires. They're from BA. Now there's a and there's a love on, angle there. There is a love angle. There's a unrequited love from Dizzy, who's actually the coolest person in the entire movie, yes. outside of Jake Busey, and uh, the principal <laughs> from Welcome Freshman, and I. Uh, then Johnny Rico is like the star quarterback. Dizzy's on the football team with him. Uh, and of course, uh, Denise Richards is the cheerleader. Yeah, it's progressive. Um, they so they enlist along with um, Neil Patrick Harris, who plays uh, Johnny Rico's like second best friend. And then, uh, well, he's, he's he's part of like their circle of friends, but he's kind of the geek who helps yeah, them out. Yeah, exactly. And so they all enlist, and they end up going off to their various. No wait, real. What's the what's? Why would you enlist, Kevin? It's almost like a death sentence. Uh, it's because they you have to do your part. It will not you know that, you but you gotta get citizenship. Oh, become a citizen. Yeah, because you're not an automatic citizen. Yeah, anymore. it's like it's like Rome. You have to serve in the military to become a citizen. Well, there's multiple ways to become a citizen, but that's the one that like anyone can do. Uh so he meets Jake Busey, who is great at playing the violin out of nowhere. And the fiddle, Kevin, the fiddle. fiddle. Sorry, he's the neon green too. translucent fiddle. That's right. He was actually uh, in a alt rock band from the late nineties. Actually, if you uh, watch Yo Yo Ma, he plays the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, so there's a scene. Oh man, <laughs> oh, sorry. We'll get to favorite scenes later. Anyway, uh, so they go through basic training. There's some brilliance in basic training. Uh, there's the hard ass who plays his. Uh, um, Hard-ass drill sergeant. Uh, they go through all the trials and tribulations. They have some very good Bluxy Blues moments. And then they are assigned to their various units. He ends up on the Roughnecks, which is led by... Uh, ta- wait. Well, actor. Oh, Michael Ironsides. Michael Ironsides, who plays his former shop teacher, 
Yes, but now he's been enlisted. He's, uh, he's been brought, brought back, back yeah. because he's a veteran, which is why he has a hook for a hand. And he's a robot hand, Kevin. Yep, and he's the leader of the Roughnecks, an elite unit. Uh, his name is Gene Rathic. That's I don't they have to go to the Bug Planet? It's so, Roughnecks. Well, yeah. no, this is this is when he's with the Roughnecks. So they go to the Bug Planet. He ends up dying. Uh, uh, the shop teacher ends up dying, and Rico gets to take over. They become Rico's Roughnecks. Yes, because that's how that works. Uh, and do we get to spoil the movie? Well, I think we're missing a couple. Like, remember? Oh, we should spoil it. This movie came out in 1997. <laughs> that's the reason. That's the reason we're doing movies that are 20 years old now, so that we don't feel bad about spoiling. Right, you want to fill in? What I'm missing? All these friends don't do like great scenes here. No, no. Okay. All these friends though, they take different paths. So you've got Casper Van Diem and uh, Dizzy. That's Johnny Rico. Yes, and Dizzy. Dizzy follows Johnny Rico anywhere she can, and Johnny Rico's kind of pissed about it. Carmen. Who, oh, by the way, Dizzy is basically a knockoff of the tough chick from Aliens. Yeah, and a really good knockoff. She's of like that a character. really beautiful tomboy. Great knockoff of that character. Uh, Denise Richards plays, as Kevin said, Johnny Rico's girlfriend. She's basically pure sex uh, and a piece she, of crap. So, really, Denise yes, Richards. And she's going. This to, is an autobiography. <laughs> she's going to be a uh, pilot. A pilot, which is very believable when you watch the movie. She's assistant pilot to uh, major pilot Pretty Boy. <laughs> exactly, and then you've got. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris, who you don't really hear from until later in the movie. Yeah, he literally disappears for a big chunk of the movie. Well, and that's another thing that these scientists, they're, they're experimenting. Some people have telepathy. And he goes into the CIA, basically. Yeah, and so they're trying to bring out these people who have telepathy. Uh, yeah, there's continue. one scene where they're guessing the cards. Yes. Yeah. What about, like, what about like Clancy Brown's crazy ass? And he's like, he's like, he's like in this movie, and he's like, I want to be a private so I can get out there and kill the most bugs. You know, it's like, first of all, that is an amazing Clancy Brown impersonation. <laughs> Clancy Brown is uh, one of the most underrated actors. National treasure, by Character. the way. Uh, he's also in a movie we were just talking about. We might be doing if you get around to watching it, Nathan. Um, <laughs> oh, he's um, in this movie. That- <laughs> yes, yes, he is. He's uh, Clancy Brown is a really great actor. He really is. Uh, so eventually, they are <laughs> sent on a uh, a super uh, like the big invasion. This is like the uh, the D Day. This is the Normandy storming of the bug planet. Which is funny because once you they get to these bug planets or the bug planet, you think things are going to happen, but it's really just another rock. There happen to be a lot of bugs, but they're going for the king bug this time, the yeah. brain bug. Yes, yeah, so it's something that they think they're, might end the war. Yeah, they're at Planet P, which is like a <laughs> like an out. It's like a it's been devastated by the bugs. We yeah, it's a military go. outpost, and uh, but there's something they don't know what's going on. There's something sucking the brains out of soldiers. Yeah, it's which is it's it's pretty it's gross. Kind of proboscis. That's I'll say this or proboscis. Uh, Hibiscus, I think you're thinking. It's flour. It tastes terrible. Proboscis. Um, This movie does have everything. If you want action, if you want violence and gore, if you want nudity, if you want romance. If you want want, want, uh, a co-ed shower scene for no reason. Uh, If you want comedy because Jake Busey's in it. Sorry, Kevin. Uh, If you want drama, then Denise Richards, everything she says. Neil Patrick Harris, the best actor in the movie. He is actually arguably the, he's yeah. one of the two best actors in the movie. It's, there's a reason why he has gone on to do many things. So anyway, they uh, are going after the brain bug with a mini nuke. That's right. Because they're the gonna end nuke. it. Which is, I believe, just something they affixed to the end of a rifle. And the brain bug 
recognizes yeah, the what the weapon is. It knows. It knows. It's learned because it turns out that they're like uh, um, hive mindish. Yeah, and also the brain bug is sucking brain and being like, oh, now I know what you're doing because I'm a brain bug. So uh, they have to get out of there while the brain bug makes its escape and uh, people get killed and he sa- uh, someone sacrifices himself to detonate the bomb and uh, they get back to the surface and figure out that like uh, the brain bug's been captured. So like the in all that the brain bug ends up getting captured and military intelligence led by Neil Patrick Harris is analyzing when and he, like basically dissecting kinda, the brain bug. He comes in. It is a really creepy scene. Well, Neil Patrick Harris when he comes in like he's part of this upper echelon special military unit. They basically look like ss officers yes they have these long black coats very and specifically these weird fancy caps the anti-fascism angle in this is very explicit yeah like it's it, there's a lot of like um nationalism gone wrong moments that are not the 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 thin veneer of hey we're the good guys but clearly we're not actually good guys yeah it's like all over it it's beautifully done yeah it's um i don't know should we go into favorite scenes he can mentally scan the bug and he pronounces that the bug is afraid. Yeah, that's, and everyone cheers. It's afraid. And every, yeah, the big <laughs> yeah, round like, of applause. It's just a roar of cheering. Okay, so best scenes. Um, the fo- I have like nine, so fo- you guys start. Football scene? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the football scene it's... at the camp or the football scene at the beginning with the backflip? It's got to be the camp. camp. Okay. okay. The beginning of the backflow is really good too, but the, the one I can't <laughs> just because it's like they're like yeah, they're just, just it's like the most bro thing in I've ever it's seen so in my bro. entire in my entire. It's life. also space football. Do you because also, the ball is silver? Do you also like when they <laughs> uh, run the football play in the live ammunition scrimmage? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So Dizzy does the backflip in the scrimmage to be able to take uh, the cap to the flag. It's, it's how you win, Kevin. I'm telling you, there's so many great. I haven't seen this movie in like ten years, and I remember every scene. Um, uh, when Jake Busey is mouthing off to the drill sergeant who proceeds to throw a long knife through Jake Busey's hand, sticking it to the wall, uh, with the fakest rubber hand I've ever seen (laughs) passed off in a movie made after 1970. But, uh, it's okay because it's the future. So they just put him in some sort of, you know, machine and it repairs his hand. Uh, how about when Rico, uh, so at the beginning, there's a teaser scene where they're running newsreel following the soldiers, and you see Rico get oh, that's, killed. That's right. He that's, dies, and he, the camera gets, like, knocked out, and then it goes back to, like, one year earlier or whatever, and goes back and shows Rico. Well, when you get up to that actual scene, turns out he doesn't die. Wakes it, up in a tank, in a medical regeneration tank or whatever, to Jake Busey popping up his uh, KIA, his killed-in-action photo, Going, guess what, buddy? You're dead. Yeah, that's. And then he pours <laughs> a bunch Busey. of booze all over everything because <laughs> Jake Busey's the greatest character in this entire Jake, movie. Jake Busey is channeling his father. I'm just saying, Search of Troopers Two should have been the Jake Busey story. Do um, you know there's like a bunch of sequels to this movie, and they're all three, bad. I believe, and they suck. It's kind of like Tremors. Oh my goodness, never mind. It's Tremors. If it's like Tremors, then that means by the sixth one, it was good again. Randomly. Oh no! Really? Yep. Don't watch the uh, intermediate ones, I, and I don't blame you for not I watching any. I'll just—I won't give it all a chance. I don't know if I can give you a favorite scene because we've talked about every single scene in this. No, we movie. haven't. The um, best scene in the movie hasn't been brought up yet. We, 
Jake Busey grabbing the 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 fiddle. Oh, uh, that's a really good one. Uh, when the or guy when gets, Jake Busey pours the alcohol on his tattoo, or when it takes approximately nine hundred guns and ten thousand bullets to kill one bug soldier. That's true too. Uh, I believe you're missing the part when they're doing live fire drills and the one guy's helmet doesn't fit properly. <laughs> and he gets Oh, wait, who was that guy? Uh, God, I can't think of his, his name. His name is Rube Foster. <laughs> yes, uh, Rube from uh, Major League. <laughs> Major League 2. Gets shot through the head with live ammunition. Oh, I can't. His head splits like a melon, to which I believe it's Rico, runs down and cradles him and yells out, Medic! Yeah. He yells medic. His head is... With his head having been blown up. Yes. It is the best scene in the entire movie because it's the dumbest time the word Dude, medic has it, ever been yelled. Doesn't Rico get, like, flogged and want to go back home because, well, he, because, of, because of this? Uh, he, he, he can't yeah, take he, it. He's he leaves, and so it's like a... he PTSD from it. He feels responsible. So they give him kind of a dishonorable discharge, and as he's about to leave, he sees on the television... That his hometown of Santa, not Buenos Clara, Aires, Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires is cop. now destroyed by a bug bomb, and so he says, "Clancy Brown, I got nowhere to go." And Clancy Brown's like, "All right, that works for me." Yeah, because does a good because old thing was he uh, submitted his uh, resignation. That's right, he, and then he was going to go down Washout Lane, take the walk of shame. Yeah, and they, they made a big deal of out at the beginning, and then they all trot over to the screen, and he looks over and sees that. And then when he goes back to Clancy Brown's office, he goes, this paper, I didn't see it, or something like that, and just tears it up and puts yeah. it in the recycle. Like, it's it's perfectly way over dramatic. And there's, like, a um, like a bad guitar riff in the background. It's good. <laughs> it's real good. I think it all happens at sunset, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite scene in the movie is the end, when all the old friends get back together, with the exception of Dez, who's dead. Um, spoiler. Which is too bad because Dizzy was the yeah she was the coolest. Dizzy deserved the uh, the good ending. But Rico was all right. Uh, Denise Richards' character was like her in real life. So yeah, and somehow Denise Richards' character is like we all made it. We're all like your friends or whatever. And now I actually like Rico again, even though I was trying to get with the pilot guy but until n- his brain got sucked out by right. an alien. Which he, which it felt good to see that. But then Rico is of course uh, I'm a soldier now. That's my life. This is what we're good for. We're good for dying, whatever he says. Nathan, come on. What what do you got? What are we missing? Um, okay, I got a couple funny things, like production cool. things. Okay, Dude. so um, in the movie, uh, the movie started life as a script called uh, Bug Hunt at Alice 9. Um, but Paul Verhoeven, and some of people, a lot of people notice the similarities between this and Starship Troopers just in the terms of like killing bugs and uh, thematically. And so they bought the rights to Starship Troopers to make it a Starship Troopers movie and licensed the book. And Vertoven had never read the book, and he so he tried to read it and was like, I don't <laughs> oh, like this book. No. And he only read two chapters of it. Paul Verhoeven's the best, by the way. Um, well, I mean, Paul Verhoeven ran, wrote, grew up in, like, Nazi-occupied uh, the Netherlands. Which is so, why the tongue-in-cheek way it was all implemented was so good. So, which is why this message has, this book has, like, the exact opposite message of the other thing. And then the, my other thing, there's two nude scenes in this movie. Um, the crew, the cast agreed to do the co-ed shower scene, but only if Vertoven would do would direct the scene naked, which he did. Yep. Wow. There you go. That's, That's one of my favorite movie facts. Uh, all right. I didn't know. Anything else, you guys, before we head off? No. This, uh, uh, go see this movie if you haven't seen it recently on TNT. Everyone's seen this movie. Just watch it again. This movie is a uh, 3 out of 5 or 7 out of 10, however you want to say it. It is a uh, bang average movie that is well above that in enjoyability. 
I like this movie far more than it's good. Fun watch. Uh, for Kevin, for Eric, for myself, Nathan, we'll see you next week. Go Hawks.